I want to tell you the story this morning about a little boy who was quite a character, especially around Christmas time. One day he was praying to the Lord to bring him a new bike for Christmas and he was on his knees beside his bed praying and he made this promise to the Lord. He said, Lord, if you'll bring me a new bike for Christmas, I promise you that I'll be good for the next year. He got up, he thought about it for a second, he realized that that was just an impossible promise and so he got back down on his knees again and he prayed, Lord, you know what? If you'll bring me a new bike this year for Christmas, I promise that I'll be good for the next month. Again, he realized just how impossible that was as well. And so he, he got back down on his knees and he prayed, Lord, if you'll bring me a new bike for Christmas, I promise that I'll be good for the next week. So um, how many of you know that for some kids, you know what? Even being good for a whole entire week, that's uh, almost an impossibility as well, right? Well, this boy, he realizes that he can't make it for even a week, and so he gets up off the floor, he runs downstairs, he runs to his neighbor's house. Now, his neighbor is a Catholic lady, and she has this statue of Mary out in her front lawn. Well, this boy grabs the statue of Mary, runs back into his house, runs up the stairs, wraps this statue up in a blanket, shoves it underneath his bed, gets back down on his knees, and he prays, Lord, if you ever want to see your mama again, <laughs> you know, maybe you're a parent here this morning and you have a child who is a real character like that too. Or maybe you think back on your own childhood and you can remember the kind of character that you were. And maybe you still are. I know I think back on my own life and some of the headaches that I caused for my parents over the years. Well, this morning, we are going to talk about another guy who is quite a character. And so if you have a Bible with you today, or you can open that Bible app, but I want to invite you to join me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're continuing our Christmas Lights sermon series today, and we're looking at a real character by the name of John the Baptist, or maybe more appropriately, we might call him John the Baptizer. Because he was always baptizing people in Jesus' name. Last week, in the passage of Scripture that we looked at, we were briefly introduced to John the Baptist, but this is what we read in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. It says, And this is the testimony of John, when the, the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stand one, stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the stra straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. 
The next day, he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. I said earlier that John was a real character. The Bible tells us a number of things about this man that we know as John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. In fact, the Gospel of Luke gives us a whole narrative, first about how John was conceived after his parents had prayed for years for a child. And let me just say this, that if you're here today and you have been desiring a child, We would love to pray with you about that because we just know how challenging and how difficult that can be at times for some people in their lives. And so John, the baptizer, was conceived after his parents had prayed for years for a child, but also he was the cousin of Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, his mother Elizabeth was first cousins with Mary, Jesus' mother. John the Baptist was also a man with an unusual attire and unusual diet. Now, most of you know that the weather here in Chicago can change quite quickly. In fact, earlier this week I was going outside and I didn't even need a coat on when I was outside. But today, well, that's a totally different story. And John the Baptist didn't wear a coat, but he wore camel hair clothing. We actually have a picture this morning of what this may have looked like that we're going to put up on the screen. But the the Bible also says that he has this diet of locusts and wild honey. Now, some of you might think that it's kind of nice and uh, would be a good treat to get a little bit of sweet honey every now and then. But how many of you would like to make locusts a, a main part of your diet? Sounds a bit odd, right? But listen, I know that there are some people who uh, eat some other very strange kinds of things, like crawfish and cow tongue, pig's blood, uh, uh, chicken feet, uh, raw oysters. I mean, a diet of locusts might not sound quite so crazy after you think about some of the other crazy things that we eat at times. John was also known in the Bible, though, as a mighty man of God who led many people to turn to the Lord, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. But most importantly of all, John the baptizer was a man who declared Jesus to be the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. John had a message of repentance and restoration In fact, Matthew in his gospel said that John came to the wilderness of Judea and began to preach this message, repent of your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. But he also had a message of recognition and revelation. 
In John chapter 1, in verse 27, a verse that we read earlier, John said, someone uh, is about to come, uh, is about to show up on the scene whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. When, When Jesus did show up, John looked at Jesus in verse 29 and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then again in verse 34, he said, I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. We learn from these verses about the great esteem that John the baptizer had for the Lord Jesus Christ. We we, we can see from these verses that his purpose in life was to help people see that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world. John was a unique and incredible individual. In fact, Jesus said that he was as great as any man who ever lived. But today, we want to focus in not so much on John the baptizer, the person, but rather we want to focus in on the message that he came to proclaim and the one that he promoted to the people of his day. There are three things that I want to focus in on, three things that I think will help us all benefit from the message of John today. First of all, we learn from John the baptizer that uh, about the pre-incarnation ministry of Jesus Christ, about how he existed in all eternity past. Verse 30, John says this about Jesus. He says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. Now, I want you to notice that phrase, because he was before me. Friends, we know from Luke chapter 1 that John the Baptist was actually born here on this earth before Jesus was born. And so what did John mean when he said that this man existed before him? Well, he was referring to the fact that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was, has existed from the very beginning of time. We read about this last week in the opening verses of John's Gospel. We read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Word that we read about is those, in those verses is none other than Jesus Christ. And John the Apostle is telling us that Jesus has always existed as God and as the Son of God. You see, Jesus didn't show up in the first century in the land of Palestine. He wasn't just born in Bethlehem in a stable surrounded by animals. No, Jesus was always existing as God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's always existed as part of the triune God. You see... In the very beginning, when God first created the universe and all of the worlds around it, when he flung the sun and the moon and the stars into existence and created all of the galaxies, all of the universes around us, the eternal Son of God was there. In fact, John said that he is the creator and the sustainer of all things. Sometimes us pastors can get a little carried away. I I know that some of you 
might be here this morning and would say amen to that, but thankfully you're not going to say it out loud right now. But one time there was this pastor, he was preaching at this special revival service, and he was talking about Jesus Christ and how he had existed in all eternity past. And he said, you know, Jesus existed before Moses. And there was a lady who was sitting in the front row and said, okay, pastor, go back, go back. And he says, and Jesus existed before Noah. And she says, go back, pastor, go back. He says, Jesus existed before Adam. She says, go back, pastor, go back. Well, he kind of gets caught up in the moment there. And he says, and Jesus existed before God. And she said, pastor, sit down and be quiet. (laughs) You see, Jesus could not exist before God because he is God. He is the Son of God. He is the Word of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus has existed from the very beginning as the creator of all things. It says in John 1, verses 3 and 4, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus was the creator of all things, but he uh, he also, we, we also know that Jesus existed from the very beginning as the revealer of God's truth, the revealer of God's truth. John the baptizer, he talks about this in the third chapter of John's gospel, and he said this in verses 31 through 34 of John chapter 3. He, Jesus, who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in, speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal on this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. What John's saying there is that Jesus' words and life give us a clear understanding of God's desire and direction for our lives. We've all needed wisdom and direction in our lives, and the wisdom and direction that we need comes from God. John said that because Jesus has come from above, he speaks the very words of God and they give wisdom and direction in our lives. You see, Jesus is no latecomer to planet Earth. He's existed from the very beginning of time as the creator of all things, as the revealer of God's truth, as the son of God, as the word of God, as God. I told the story at the beginning of the boy who was quite a character. Well, there was another boy who was going around and he used to ask women what their age was. And uh, how many of you know that that's just not something that you do, right? I mean, you don't go around asking women what their age is. Well, this boy one time, he goes up to this elderly lady and he says, Ma'am, what's your age? And she says, Young man, that's none of your business. He says, well, it looks like you have been in business for a long time. Friends, 
Jesus has been in business for a long, long time as the creator of all things and as the revealer of God's truth. Here's the second thing. We also learn from John the baptizer about the salvation ministry of Jesus, the salvation ministry of Jesus. I want to go back to what John said in chapter 1 in verse 29, where he says there, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That phrase there, the sin of the world, it's a reminder to us that we're all, every single one of us, even the best of us, are sinners by nature and by choice. We, we, we've all sinned and we all need a Savior. And let me just really quickly prove that to you. How many of you here this morning, besides me, have ever told a lie? I mean, it could have been a little, lie, a little lie, a small lie, or it could have been something huge. Maybe it was uh, just uh, that you told somebody else that they looked good when they didn't look good at all. Friends, the fact is that this room is full of liars. And, and how many of you have ever stolen something? I mean, it could have been change off of your parents' dresser. It could have been answers off of a test. It could have been dessert off of somebody's plate. Have you ever stolen something that did not belong to you? Again, there are lots of thieves around here this morning. How many of you have ever had a mean or hateful thought in your life before? I could keep going here, but you see... You thought that you were coming to church surrounded by all of these good people, but the fact is that we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there is no one righteous, not even one. And it also says that sin separates us from God in this life, and it promises to keep us separated from God in the next life as well. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote the following words in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, uh, eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what Paul was saying, what John was saying, is that when Jesus comes into our life, God does remarkable things in our life. First of all, when Jesus comes into our life, he brings us forgiveness for our sins. Forgiveness for our sins. You know, the Jewish people of Jesus' day uh, and John's day, you know, they they would have understood what, what John was talking about when he called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In fact, we, this next picture will give us a little bit of an idea of where, where, uh, what would have come to people's minds as they heard that phrase. You know, in, in the Jewish religious system, lambs and sheep and other animals were sacrificed on an altar in a temple, and the blood of those lambs were, was used on an annual basis to pay for the sins of the Jewish people. And when John said that Jesus is the Lamb of God, what he was saying is that he's the perfect Lamb. He is the eternal Lamb. That there are no other lambs that need to be sacrificed because he paid the penalty for, the, for sin for all of time. Paul says this way in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. He says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. When Jesus comes into our life, he brings us forgiveness of our sins. 
When Jesus comes into our life, he brings us freedom from our strongholds. Jesus talked about this when he began his earthly ministry. Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, Not only have I come to bring people salvation, but I've also came to bring them liberation emancipation, freedom from the strongholds in their lives. For many people, the holidays can be a really difficult time of feeling alone and missing loved ones who have passed away and dealing with family drama. There are many who feel this burden of sadness and a broken heart during the holiday season, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus, he can mend a broken heart. And not only can he mend a broken heart, but he can liberate you from the strongholds and struggles in your life. From addictions and anxiety and bitterness and depression and fear, hurt, guilt, insecurity. He can free us from all kinds of things in our lives. So when Jesus comes into our lives, he brings us forgiveness from our sins and freedom from our strongholds. And when Jesus comes into our lives, he brings us a future of heaven. Let me tell you, heaven, it's the most beautiful place in the mind of God that you could possibly see. The most wonderful place in that the hand of God could create. It is a place where all of the struggles and troubles of this life are gone forevermore. It is a new kind of place that is far better than any place that you could visit here on planet earth. But most of all, it is the place where the Lord is found. It is a place where you can serve the Lord and worship the Lord and fellowship with the Lord. Two men, they were arguing one time and there was one man who said, well, everyone wants to go to heaven. The other man disagreed with him and he said, no, not everyone wants to go to heaven. Well, these two men are arguing back and forth and they can't resolve their argument. And so they decide to stop the next person who walks by and ask them if they wanted to go to heaven. And whatever that person answers, answered would be the thing that would determine which man was right. So it was a small town. Everyone knows each other in this small town. And it so happens that a little boy is the first person to walk by. They know the boy, and the boy knows them as well. And the first man, he grabs the boy, and he says, Hey, son, don't you want to go to heaven? The boy says, Oh, no, sir, not me. He asks him again, Hey, son, don't you want to go to heaven? Oh, no, sir, not me. The man asks him a third time, Hey, son, when you die, don't you want to go to heaven? And the boy said, Well, yes, sir, when I die. But I thought that you're trying to take me right now. You know, I think that's where a lot of us are today. That we want to go to heaven someday, but maybe not right now. But John says that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ as the Son of God. John chapter 3 verses 35 and 36 say this. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. 
At Christmas time, we all seem to be looking for something. Some people are looking for the right gift to buy somebody. Other people are looking for the right gift to receive from somebody. Some people are looking for the right party to go to or the right clothes to wear to that party. Some people are looking for the right person to take with them to the party. But but most of all, this Christmas season, we need to be looking for the, the forgiveness of God and the freedom of God and knowing that we have a future in heaven that only comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That was part of John's message, but there's a third thing that we learn from John the baptizer here, and that's just about the impartation ministry of Jesus. Not just what he did in the past, but what he continues to do on an ongoing basis in and through our lives. Now, John, he was living out in the Judean wilderness. He was baptizing people in the Jordan River. In fact, Matthew tells us that in his gospel that the people of Jerusalem were coming out and they were getting baptized there in the Jordan River. And there were people who were in the Jordan River Valley area and they were coming out and they were getting baptized as well. And they, they would come out and they, they, they would hear, they would confess their sins, they'd get baptized in the Jordan River. And what he was doing is he was immersing them under the water as a public testimony that they had been cleansed and were going to experience a new life in the presence of God. And so John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, he's baptizing people. One day he baptizes his cousin, Jesus And John says there in verse 32, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I want you to just think about that phrase once baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You see, back in the Old Testament, and even in part, the first part of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit of God was around. And he was around from the very beginning, but he, he didn't live in the lives of God's people. Instead, he would come alongside and help God's people. But Jesus had said to his disciples that, When I leave this earth and I go to to be with my Father, I'm going to ask the Father to send our spirit to come and live inside of you forever. And here's what the Bible teaches. God's Holy Spirit enters our lives when Jesus becomes our Savior and we become part of the family of God. The Apostle Peter, he was preaching one day, the day of Pentecost, and He sounded a lot like John the Baptist. He was challenging people to repent of their sins and to turn to God. At the conclusion of the message, he told the people, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What the Bible teaches is that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Now, speaking of gifts, as men... We aren't always um, really great at picking out uh, the the best gifts at Christmas time. And and sometimes, you know, our wives can give us hints and we're not very good at even picking up on those hints of what they might like for Christmas. 
I mean, ladies, if you're going to give us a hint, us men a hint, you can't give us no bad hints. We want some really good, strong hints about what you want for Christmas time. I remember uh, one time I'm reminded of a woman who um, was trying to hint to her husband that she wanted a new car. And he said, well, hey, uh, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, well, I want something that is bright and shiny and goes from zero to 60 in five seconds. So he bought her a bathroom scale, and she was mad at him for the whole holiday season. But that's not as bad as the wife who was thinking about a nice dress, and so she told her husband, you know what, I want you to buy something for me that makes me look beautiful and makes me feel great about myself. And so her husband bought her an exercise bike, and she slapped him up the side of the head. Well, let, let, let me tell you, I don't know what gift it is that you're expecting or wanting, desiring this year for Christmas, but the best gift that you can have is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He comes into our lives when we repent of our sins, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, and we ask Jesus to become the Savior and Lord of our life. Now, just a couple of quick things here about that. First, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he brings us direction. He brings us direction. Jesus said that when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Most of us have some kind of GPS in our cars or on our phone. And a lot of times that woman's voice um, can really help us uh, get navigating where we need to go, especially when we don't know where we're at or where, we, where exactly we're trying to get to. But let me tell you, even better than a GPS, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit becomes, uh, comes into your life and he gives you guidance and direction in your life. He speaks to you in, in your inner being. And let me tell you, you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in order to make right decisions in your life. Friends, the, the Bible gives us specific directions about many things in life. But there are some things that the Bible just doesn't give specific directions about. It doesn't tell us about college, what college we should attend. It doesn't tell us what career we should pursue. It doesn't tell us what specific church we should belong to. It doesn't tell us what person to date or what person to marry or how many kids we should have. But the Holy Spirit can give us that direction. And, and we need to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That if we will get close to the Lord and we surrender our lives to the Lord and, and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He will help lead us to make decisions in the circumstances of our lives and the relationships of our lives that will enable us to live in a way that pleases and honors the Lord. So when God's Spirit comes into our lives, He brings us direction but also, when God's Spirit comes into our lives, He brings us transformation. The Apostle Paul said that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, how many of you would like to have a little bit more love and joy in your life? Or how many of you would like to experience more peace in the circumstances and situations of your life? How many of you need a little bit more patience? I'm sure that every parent here who has a child would say amen to that. 
We all need more kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, when the Spirit of God comes into our life and begins to lead us and guide us in our life, not only will we have direction from the Lord, but He will transform our attitudes, our ambitions, our actions, our relationships, and we will experience a whole new life from the, as the Spirit does His work within us. There's a story about a little girl who learned how to tie her shoes. Her parents were so happy and they thought that she would be happy about it too, but she wasn't. When she finally tied her shoes for the first time, she burst out into tears. They rushed over to her and they said, honey, honey, what's wrong? And she says, now I can tie my shoes all by myself. And they said, well, well that's good, right? She says, no, it's not. Because now I'm going to have to tie my shoes by myself for the rest of my life. Well, the good news is that if you're a Christian, you don't have to do anything by yourself for the rest of your life. You have got the spirit of the living God in you. And he is, he, he give, he'll give you direction and comfort and strength and help and the hope that you need in life. I started out the message this morning by saying that John the baptizer was a unique and unusual individual. He was a mighty man of God who accomplished many great things, but the greatest thing that John did was to point people to Jesus, declaring Jesus to be the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. I want you to listen to this because just like John the baptizer pointed people to Jesus, we need to point people to Jesus this Christmas season as well. We need to be intentional. We need to look for opportunities to share with our friends and our family, with our coworkers and our our neighbors about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our own lives. We need to invite them to come to our worship services and to hear about this Jesus who is the light of the world. There was a Christian couple who were were watching their five-year-old daughter. She was playing dolls with one of her friends and she was talking to her friend about Jesus. She had learned how to do this when in her home. She had learned how to do this in her church. But she was telling her friend about how important Jesus was to her and how she could receive Jesus into her heart. In fact, she said, you know, you can ask Jesus to come into your heart and he will forgive your sins and give you a home in heaven forever. And so this little friend, five years old, prays with her and, and, and she makes Jesus the Savior and Lord of her life. The parents are so thrilled about what their daughter just did and, and so excited that, they, that they, their daughter led this little girl to the Lord. Afterwards, the little girl, though, she, she's, she's just prayed and she asked her Christian friend, she said, well, you know, is my mommy going to be going to heaven? The little five-year-old girl says, Well, if you want your mommy to go to heaven, then tell her about Jesus. But if you don't want your mom to go to heaven, well, don't tell her about Jesus. Let me ask you, do you want your friends and your family, your coworkers, your your neighbors, even those cranky cousins of yours to go to heaven? Well, then tell them about Jesus. Invite them to church. In fact, I want to encourage you to be the John the Baptist in their lives in the coming days. Let's pray.